Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. On today's program, we're going to be thinking about what happens when we pray. And so if you have your Bible and if you could open it to Philippians chapter 4, that's where our scripture reading will be coming from today. And I just hope this message is a special blessing to you. I want to talk to you this morning about prayer. And anytime I hear a sermon or read a book, anything about prayer, I always think to myself, well, I should pray more, you know, prayer is a good thing and I should do more of it. And I think most of us feel that way when we are challenged about prayer. We know that even though we do pray, we could probably pray more. And I think there are several reasons we don't pray more. One is probably a practical reason. In other words, we're just busy. Our lives are full. I think another reason we probably don't pray any more than we do is, is a spiritual reason. Maybe, maybe there's a sin in our life. I've noticed in my own life, if, if I get a bad attitude or something's not right between me and God, that's a, de- that's a deterrent to prayer. I mean, it's hard to look God in the face if I have sin in my life. So sometimes there's a spiritual reason for that. We have to also remember that in this thing called the Christian life, we have an enemy, the devil. And we all know that verse in the Bible that says, you know, your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. And when we read that, we think, man, the devil is trying to strike me with a disease or get me to commit some bad sin. He's trying to destroy my life that way. Well, maybe. But I think one of the ways the devil tries to devour us and destroy our lives is to keep us from praying. And so part of the reason we don't pray more than we should is because the devil is trying to block us from getting in touch with God. But I think there's another reason that we probably don't pray more than we do. It's not just a practical or even a spiritual reason. It's a theological reason, theological reason. In other words, I think even though we wouldn't say it, and even though we may never have formulated this thought in our own minds, I think sometimes we just feel like this. You know what? God is sovereign. God is in control. God's going to do what God's going to do. And if God's going to do what God's going to do, what, you know, why should I pray all that much? Because my little prayer is not going to change God. And we do believe that God is sovereign and that God is in control. The scripture is clear on that. I don't think anybody here would believe in the sovereignty of God more than I do. I mean, I base my whole faith system on the fact that God is in control. No matter what we go through in life, God's in control. But did you know that you can take a basic Bible truth like that to the extreme So much so that you could say, you know what? God is so sovereign. God is so in control that there's really no need for me to pray at all because God's going to do what God's going to do. And yet, as we read the Bible, we see that God, for whatever reason, God has chosen prayer as the means by which He acts and moves and works in our lives. We see this all through Scripture. I was thinking this morning... 
In 2 Kings chapter 20, we read about a man named Hezekiah. He was a king back in Bible times. And one day God sent a message to Hezekiah through one of his prophets and said, Hezekiah, you're sick and you are about to die. And what you need to do is to get your house in order. That's what God said to Hezekiah. Well, in response to that, Hezekiah prayed. And in essence, he said to God, God, I know I'm sick. And I know, humanly speaking, I am about to die. But God, I'm asking you, could you please heal me of this sickness? And could you extend my life? And in answer to that prayer, God extended Hezekiah's life for 15 years. And so God, many times acts in response to our prayers. In Philippians chapter 4, look in verse number 6. This is a classic passage about prayer. Paul is talking about it, and he says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so Paul is saying, you have something in your life that you want? You have a need in your life that God hasn't met yet. You have a problem in your life that God hasn't solved yet. Something you're going through and you need God to get involved in that situation. Paul said, let your request be made known to God. Pray about that. Put that in God's hands. Don't just sit back and say, well, God's in control. God's going to do what God's going to do. No. God, you see, anytime we go too far with any Bible teaching, we many times neglect another Bible teaching. In other words, if you take the sovereignty of God to the extreme, you would totally neglect the responsibility of man, the free will of man. And some people do this, and it's a dangerous thing. And so these two things go together. Now, the question I want us to think about this morning is, how does God answer our prayers. We know we should pray. We do pray. How does God go about answering our prayers? Well, just put this one in your notes today. This is the first way God answers our prayer. Sometimes God answers our prayers by giving us what we ask for, by giving us what we ask for. And so we have a need, we pray about it, and God meets that need. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Say that with me. Ask, and it will be given to you. In the book of James, the Bible says, you have not because why? You ask not. The reason you don't have what you want is because you haven't asked God to give it to you. You're unemployed. You need a job. You haven't prayed about it. The Bible says the reason you don't have a job is because you haven't prayed. You haven't asked. And so sometimes when we have a need and we pray, God just ipso facto gives us exactly what we have asked for. Now, sometimes God does this immediately. And we've all had experiences in our life where we had a need and we prayed for that need to be met. And God just right there did it. Uh, I think about salvation. I had a man in my office, a young man, 19 years of age last Thursday. And he was in the church offices and we were visiting and talking. And I asked him, I said, Do you, have you ever been saved? And he said, well, I'm not sure if I have or not. And we talked about that, and I led him to be saved. The man received Christ. He's going to make it public soon and be baptized. But it was a beautiful example of someone having a need. He prayed to God, and God just answered that prayer immediately. And we've all had those experiences. If you're saved, that's how you got saved. You prayed, God answered immediately. But it's not just something big like salvation. We need to be reminded of this. God answers a little prayers too. 
And there's nothing too big for God and there's nothing too small for God. A couple of months ago, I would go to bed every night and right about the time I would go to sleep, I heard this chirping sound right outside my window. And it kept me up for a few hours. And I was telling the Wednesday night crowd about this. I I said, you know, I go to bed at night and outside of my window, I said, I think it's a bird. And uh, I said, that bird is chirping till about four in the morning. I said, in fact, I said to the Wednesday night crowd, I said, last night, about 4.30, I went outside. I hadn't even been to sleep yet. I'm still laying there listening to this bird. And I had my flashlight. I don't know what I was going to do if I'd have seen the bird. But I went out there, and I didn't find anything. Well, after the service was over, a lady comes up to me. She said, John, I don't think it's a bird. I said, what is it? She said, it's a tree frog. A tree. I never even heard of a tree frog. Some of you have heard of it. And I said, what is it? It's a tree, it's a tree frog, John. They said, evidently, there's a tree nearby your bedroom window. And the reason that that frog is making that noise is because that frog has lost his girlfriend. And he's lonely for her. And, and so I went home and I said, now, Lord, I don't know what's happened between these two frogs, but I'm asking, <laughs> please, God, you're a God of reconciliation and restoration. And I'm asking you to reunite these frogs. And do you know about two or three nights later, God saw fit to bring them back together. And it's been a beautiful thing for me. I've been sleeping like a baby. But there's an, now that's not a, you say, well, that's no big deal. It's a big deal if you're going to sleep every night about 4.30. That's a really big deal. But I pray, God, bring those two frogs back together. And God did it, and they're happy, and I'm happy, and it made a wonderful sermon illustration this morning. So sometimes God gives us what we, he just gives us what we pray for. Now, the second way that God answers our prayer is, is different from the first way. Sometimes God answers our prayer by giving us something better than we have prayed for. Something better. In other words, we're praying for A, and God gives us B, and we think, well, I wanted A, and God gave me B. Why would God give me B? Well, God would never give you B unless in his mind he knew that for you, B was better than A. Do you remember the story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when the apostle Paul had the thorn in the flesh, he had some kind of a, some problem. We don't even know what this was, but he had some problem in his life. And he prayed and he said, God, would you please take this problem away from me? Would you please remove this thorn from my life? And he prayed on three separate occasions for God to do that. And God didn't do it. In fact, God didn't say anything in response to that prayer. And then one day as he was praying, after that third time, Jesus answered Paul. And here's what Jesus said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Jesus, in essence, said to the apostle Paul, I'm not removing this problem. I'm not answering your prayer the way you're praying it. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you something that will be better for you. What Jesus was really saying was, Paul, you will be better off with the thorn and my grace than you would without the thorn. And so he's saying, I'm going to give you something better. And so sometimes God gives us what we ask for. Sometimes God answers our prayer by giving us something better than we asked for. And then this third thought is so very important. Sometimes 
God answers our prayer simply by giving us peace. He just gives us peace in our heart. Now, back to our scripture in Philippians chapter 4. Look down in verse number 7. Remember, verse 6, he's saying, pray about whatever you're going through, okay? And verse number 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the peace of God. In other words, Paul is saying, as you pray, yes, sometimes God's going to give you what you want. Sometimes God's going to give you something better than what you wanted. But he said, the greatest thing God's going to give you is peace. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. It's interesting, that word guard is a military word. And it literally means to keep watch over. It would be like if you hired a Pasadena police officer last night to park his car right in front of your house. And the whole time you slept, he's guarding your property. He's watching over you while you sleep. Well, the Bible says that there's something even better than that. It says the peace of God that which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, God's peace guards us from anxiety from doubt, from fear, from stress, from uneasiness. It's like the peace of God. You know, we talk in in the scripture says in Psalm 34 that God will send his angels to camp around us. And he does. We have angels around us. We know that God is surrounding us. But in this Philippians passage, it even says God's peace. That is an inner calmness is going to surround you and protect you and help you, and it's going to protect you from all those other things in your life, the peace of God. And to me, there's no substitute for God's peace, giving us a calmness on the inside, even when we're going through things on the outside that are upsetting and troubling and and sometimes very uh, concerning to us. As you know, those of you who've been members of our church for a little over a year, I was diagnosed with a malignant tumor on my left kidney, renal cell carcinoma. And thankfully, they were able to get that removed, and thankfully, they were able to uh, to get it out and it was contained. It had not gotten in my lymph nodes or spread anywhere. And so I just thank God for that. But for those of you who've been through any type of experience with cancer, you know that periodically you have to go back and get this CAT scans or the MRIs or whatever the doctor wants to do. And so this past December, it had been about six months and I went for my CAT scan and the CAT scan turned out fine. It showed, uh, there was no, thankfully, there was no recurrence of cancer or anything like that, but it did show that I had a small pocket of fluid on my kidney, and, and so the doctor said, I'm not concerned about this. He said, uh, this is not cancer. It's just part of your kidney healing itself. He said, but I do want to keep a watch on it because if it grows, I would just need to go in and do another fairly simple procedure to get that out. He said, let's just come back in six months, and uh, we'll do another scan. So... I went back in, uh, in July, and I had my MRI, and I had been praying. Uh, I said, Lord, I just pray that the scan will come back clear, that there won't be any recurrence of cancer. And I said, Lord, I even pray that when they look for that pocket of fluid, that they won't, they won't find it. And so I had the, scan, had the MRI, and the next week I went to meet with the doctor, and he came in, and he gave me the report, and, and he was so excited. He said, John, so thankful. He said, your scan came back clear. 
No recurrence of cancer at all. He said, you know, that pocket of fluids you had, it's even completely gone. And he said, man, this is what you've been hoping for and what you've been praying for. I was so excited and, and so thankful. But, you know, on the day that I had that MRI, I wanted, I wanted to close my sermon today with this little story. Um, because maybe you can relate to it, or, or maybe when this story's over, you're going to say, John, you're the biggest sissy we've ever known in all of our lives. So, on the day of the MRI, I got back there and, um, to get ready for the MRI, and, and um, I've had MRIs before, and I didn't think this would be all that big a deal, but I had prayed. God helped me through all this. And the thing about an MRI, that if you've never had one, it, you're just in a tube. It's, it's what I would like to call an above-ground casket. And they just put you in there, and you can't get out. Now, a CAT scan's nothing, but a, an MRI, I mean, you're just in this thing. And so I got in there, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, that doesn't look so bad. I'm not, I mean, I, do, I don't like tight spaces, a little claustrophobia, but I thought, this is not going to be a problem. I'm going to be fine. Well, I laid on the table, and they said, okay, uh, before we roll this table under, in, in, into the, you know, roll you up in this thing, they said, since we're going to be doing a, a test of your abdomen, we're going to put this shield over you from your neck down to below your waist. I said, okay. And so they just got that and they said, now what you need to do is you need to get your arms inside this shield. And so I'm laying there and I did. First of all, they tied me down to the table <laughs> and then they did this to me. And so I was trying to, you know, act godly and, and uh, <laughs> spiritual and everything. And so I said to the gentleman who was doing this and to a lady, there were two of them. I said, if it'd be okay, I said, just so I can get some perspective of how far I'm going to be away from civilization, I said, could y'all just, before we actually do the test, could you roll me in and then just pull me out so I can know how deep I am in this thing? They said, yeah, that's no problem. And he acted like that I was not the first person who had requested that. So I lay there, they roll me in and they pull me out. And they said, how, how was it? How, are you going to be able to do that? I said, yeah, I think so. I said, could we do that one more time? <laughs> Which I never should have done that. So I ro they rolled me in there for the second time, and they rolled me out. And I'm telling you, now this is, embarrassing. I, 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 this is an experience that I was disappointed in myself. Because I'm the guy who for a long time now has had a lot of peace in my, thank God, a lot of peace in my life. And I trust the Lord, and I preach about peace and faith, and if you trust God, you'll have peace. And after that second uh, adventure, I said to, those, to the man, I said, you know, I'm having a harder time with this than I thought I would. I said, would, would you mind just taking this shield off of me and, letting me and untie me and letting me sit up and think about this for just a minute? And he said, no, sir, do whatever you want to do. But he said to me, he said, now... We haven't even started the test yet, and you've already come out twice. I said, I know, but these were just practices. I mean, I intended to come out. And he said, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And he said, I think maybe the best thing for you to do would be to come back another day and get a sedative and make arrangements, you know, and we have to test your blood, you know, we said, we can't do it today, but... I th he said, that's what I think you need to do. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm the one who's always preaching 
that if you trust God, you have peace. And now I'm having a meltdown on the MRI table. And so I said, if you'll just give me just a minute to think about it. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm, di- I'm very embarrassed. Not so much for him. I don't even know him. I'm just in my own heart. I thought, God, I'm, how could I be having this trouble? But I was. And the verse came to my mind from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just thought about that. I can do all things through Christ. I thought, God... I thought, if I put my shoes on and walk out of this room, I mean, that's not the unpardonable sin, but uh, I'm going to be very disappointed in myself. And I'm just sitting up on that table, and I was thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I thought, well, my two options are to try to do this again for the third time, or to get my shoes on and go home and come back later on and get a sedative. And I was thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or come back and get a sedative. And if you have to get a sedative for that, that's not, that's not the worst thing in the world. Certainly not. That's not a sin. I don't know that this is even a spiritual issue as much. Sometimes it can even be, a, if you struggle with things, it could be a purely psychological issue. But as I was weighing my options, the most amazing thing happened to me. And this is what I wanted to share with you today. I just began to get very relaxed. And I just began to get very peaceful. And I even began to get sleepy. And I thought to myself, God, I'm having an experience with you today that even I've never had before. I've known you as my father, as my friend, as my savior, as my peace, as my comforter. But God, I've never thought of you as my sedative And God, I'm having the same physiological things happen to me that I would have had had I taken a sedative. I'm becoming very relaxed, and I'm becoming very peaceful, and I'm even becoming sleepy. I said to the gentleman who was in there with me, I said, I'll tell you what to do. I said, if you wouldn't mind tying me down one more time, putting me in that shield, And putting me back in that tube. I said, if I have to come out again, I'll put on my shoes and I'll get out of here and I won't take any more of your time and make anybody else late. I said, but if you'll put me in there one more time, I think I'll be fine. He said, sir, I'll do whatever you ask. And so he tied me down. He put me on the shield over me. My arms were in. He said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. And he rolled me in that tube. And for the next 30 minutes, the peace of God guarded my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How does God answer our prayers? Sometimes we pray about something and he just gives it to us. Sometimes we pray about something and God says, I know you think you need this, but what you really need is this. I'm going to give you something better than you've prayed for. Sometimes we pray about something and God says, you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to be your sedative. And I'm going to make it possible for you to face whatever you have to face in life with my peace in your heart. Well, there's nothing quite like God's peace. And today, maybe that's exactly what you need. Maybe you've been praying for something, and maybe you've been praying about something for a long time, and nothing seems to be happening. 
You know, one day God may give you exactly what you've been praying for. God may give you something even better than you've been praying for. But today, God wants to give you His peace. If I've learned anything in life, I've learned this. Peace is a result of trusting Jesus. In other words, when we trust Him, His peace just fills our heart. And so today, if you would be willing to say to God, Father, with this need in my life, this thing I've been praying about, this desire, God, I'm putting it into your hands and I'm trusting you to do whatever is best for me. And if you'll do that and just trust Jesus to meet your need in his own time and his own way, I promise you that he will fill your heart with his peace. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this program has been a blessing to you. Hope you'll join us next time. And until then, may God's peace fill your heart.